What's up and welcome to episode two of Two Balls, One Puck. It is June 14th, 2023. My name is Tommy Jirasi. I am here with my two brothers, Jacob and Joey Jirasi. And we're going to see what everybody is uh, up to before we kick it off. So, Joey, how are you? Doing good, brother. Doing good. Um, excited to talk some sports again with you guys here in the Media One studio in Jamestown. So, got some uh, exciting stuff to talk about. Little Bills, Sabres, Yankees, the three teams we know and love. And uh, excited mm. to be here with you guys. Jakey, how are you on this fine Wednesday evening? I am well. I am quite well for those grammar fanatics out there. Um, someday, Very good. maybe not today, I would like to be introduced second, not third. I've actually kind of settled into it, so I think you're just going to be third all time. But it's counterclockwise. You're also the youngest. But it's counterclockwise. Youngest, or oldest to youngest. <laughs> True. Should have been born sooner. One day, I'm just going to start talking right before you, and I'm just going to be like, welcome to, and we're just going to both start the intro. And Jacob's then... going to do his own edit and just completely cut out your <laughs> intro and put his in. I'm going to auto-tune my voice, make it really obvious that it was not part of the original edit, and be like, yeah. welcome to. Actually, one of the funny things that we do, because uh, we have, uh, we might have mentioned this in episode zero, but... The three of us have four other siblings. We're a family of seven. And I was talking about this with somebody recently about how occasionally we would uh, see who can name the seven of us the fastest in mm-hmm. a specific order. So Wait, like who within old, our family can name ourselves? Or yeah, who like outside? Oldest, oh. oldest, Andrew, youngest. Tommy, Pippi, Joey, Jacob, Michael, Mary. That was a rough start. Though. <laughs> yeah, was a rough All right, start. youngest to oldest. Mary, Michael, Jacob, Joey, Pippi, Tommy, Andrew. Ah, That's that okay. was uh, Jacob. Random order. <laughs> Time with Jacob, Michael, Mary, Pippi, Andrew, Joey. That was great. That was actually that was, actually that was awesome. That was that was pretty great. impressive. Thank that was awesome. you. That was very impressive. I practiced that. That order specifically in my head. Okay. To Lily, your cat. No, just now. Okay. Well, I'm excited to be here with you guys. Um, so, I, the big hockey news, especially uh, last night, was the final hockey game in the NHL that we're going to see for quite some time as the Golden Knights took down the Panthers and brought home Lord Stanley. So Mm -hmm. we'll chat about a couple of former Sabres that are on either side of that uh, last NHL game. And, um, yeah, just some other sports stuff going on. So, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think we're going to start on the football side uh, tonight, though, really quick, because there's not a ton of Bills talk going on. Last week or last episode, we covered a little bit about um, Dalton Kincaid, and we talked a little bit about um, uh, Ed Oliver. And the only thing going on right now, really, in Bills land, um, we'll we'll start there. Let's start there. Officially, we're starting with Bills Mafia. Bills Mafia, go Bills. Um, If you're a Bills fan and you're listening to this, um, give someone a high five if you're alone. Or go, or go. Hey, oh, you know what? Before we get into the Bills talk, do you guys want to know something? Here's, here, okay. You know, uh, 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 uh. Yeah, careful, careful. Can't do that too long. We're getting mm-hmm. copyrighted. That was about two seconds. Copyright. If you no, guys, copyright. next time you hear that song, next time you hear that song and that Got melody, it. is yeah, that yeah. the right word that is for the melody. it? Let's see, I'm trying to think of it so I can say it right. Uh, 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 uh. Think of it like that. 
That's called a... And that's not how I think, but you can hear it that way. It's kind of weird how that happens. Do Next time you how, hear the song. How, how in-depth into musical theory and the relation between our ears and the vibrations of musical instruments do you want me to explain accurately why that is? You lost me at how in-depth. Okay, moving on to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is a sports show, Jacob. Even though we're both all musicians. Big music family. Yeah, honestly. Tommy's not a big uh, notes guy. I'm a drum notes guy. I'm a drum, drum notes, not music notes. All right, so the only thing going on in Bill's land right now that everyone needs to know about is that they had their second day of a three-day mandatory mini camp, um, which is kind of like the last organized thing that the team does before training camp at the end of July. And the biggest news, honestly, that came out of this mini camp was Stefan Diggs. Or as I like to call him last episode, and I might from the future for the future, Defon Siggs. Uh, for anybody who hears me say that from now on, that's where that came from. I'm just gonna say it unapologetically from now on. Um, so Defon Siggs uh, was that's gonna get real ugly. He was noticeably absent after uh, during the first day of the mini camp, and it was a big deal. People were the media made a really big deal about it because he wasn't at the OTAs uh, the weeks prior, which were voluntary, but now Diggs didn't show up to the first day of mandatory minicamp. Sean McDermott goes on the podium, and he's quoted as saying he was, quote, very concerned. If you take it out of context, it sounds really bad. I mean, he said the words very concerned after he had said already that, like, they, they were, like, it wasn't that big of a deal, so to speak. But anyway, there was all this speculation about Allen and digs and the relationship is a damage and all this stuff. Well, you and remember what happened like, in, in playoffs, right? You know, and some the body language wasn't great. Yeah, um, there were some moments, you know, the the, the classic kind of st- looking at Allen with his arms in the air and screaming. So there was some stuff to be concerned about. But Jake, how in your opinion, how because people were like took sides on this with with and with digs and how that how the season ended as saying digs is just a competitor. And he want he just wants to win, and that's what Diggs said too. He's like, "Look, I'm sorry, I don't like smile after we lose in the divisional round and everything like that." Like, in your opinion, how justified? I don't know. If justified is the right word, but like, do people over were people overblowing it? In your opinion, I mean, well, as we know from existing in the world of sports as players, coaches, fans, it. Sports can just be one big reality TV show. As much as we don't want to call it that, there's a there's a, a way to look at sports, professional sports in America, as kind of like reality TV. We get episodes all the time. We get characters. We have story arcs. We get trades that like you could relate to all these things in the show. So that being said, we as fans and as viewers want drama. We want things to happen. We want something to talk about. If this was in the middle of the season and it was, this had happened after a random loss to a, a, a good team that we you're annoyed that they lost and you get over it in three days by the time yeah. the next practice or the next news comes out, whatever it is before the next game. Because we have this much time to talk about it and because, like we said, nothing's going on in football world, we just make it sound blow it up now i'm not saying that there's nothing none of us were there True. i'm not saying that nothing did happen but i'm definitely saying that we do not know and assuming something bad just because we're bored 
is not fair to the players that have brought us success and joy, joy as fans. Yeah. It's just not – I mean, until we hear something from one of the mouths of someone on board who's saying something's wrong, something's not quite the way that we want it to be, assuming the worst of people who have brought you really good things, mm. that's I'm not on board with that. I mean, there are players in every sport that – they have different personalities, different characteristics, and – Diggs clearly is a competitor. He's passionate. He cares. He takes yeah, he wants to losses win. hard, and he is very proud of the wins and the good times. So, you know, it, like Jacob said, I think it probably got blown up, but the, he could maybe be a little bit more outspoken or um, animated with his emotions than some guys might be able to keep him in. But I'm sure there was a lot of players on the Bills that felt exactly like Diggs did. They just didn't express it the way he did. Yeah, and at the end of the day, all this to say – um, that Diggs today reported to minicamp. And um, so he was there. And it was funny how, like, Bill's social media made, like, a big deal out of it. Like, he's here, 14, like, showtime. It's time and to one go. One of the and pictures they posted to, like, he was just staring dead into the camera, just straight face. And he was just, like, get the hell out of my face. Yep. He was just like, I'm here. Like, what, this is my, this is what I'm here. Like, whatever. But, yep. and Josh Allen's press, uh, press conference yesterday, he got, I mean, I felt bad for the guy. He just got berated. Every single question was about Diggs. Diggs this, Diggs that. Why isn't he here? Is something wrong? Did you guys go to Chuck E. Cheese's and you stole all of his tickets? You know, something <laughs> like that. But that's not what happened. I don't know what is going on, but Allen kept it very professional. McDermott kept it professional. Mitch Moore kept it professional. He's like, dude, I got crap to do. He's like, he's like, I love Diggs. We all love Diggs. And, like, whatever he's going through or whatever's going on, like, the people that are – like need to handle it or going to handle it and yeah. like he's going to come up and play for, he's going to show up and play football. Well also I mean, to just to continue while Cole went from being really good to really bad for those who don't know we are the Yankees are playing the Mets currently um for the second game of the Subway Series but continue with the Bills. The Bills, yeah, we'll get to the Yankees in a bit. Mm-hmm. The um where were we just? Digs. Digs. The fact that he's wearing his emotion on the sleeve on his sleeve and we are upset about that imagine if he was not you yeah. know he's saying smiles imagine yeah. if he was completely nonchalant yeah. or or if he was we hear about how emotional all of the players are behind the scenes into the fans they just show themselves as like robots we wouldn't like that either so the fact that we're getting emotion from players whether it be necessarily what we want at the right time or the wrong time they're still people, and it gives us as a fan base things to latch on, latch onto as their personalities, their character traits. We don't want to root for robots. That's not the point of this sport yeah. or any sport. You know, it's good to see. I mean, obviously, we talked last episode, and it's very clear that you know Diggs, when he's his best, is one of the best in the league, and so mm-hmm. you know an important piece of the Bills' offense, and he has been one of the best wide receivers his entire career. So we have to be excited that you know if there was any sort of negative skepticism, anything like that about him, you know that he's there, and you know if he's there, he is going to work his tail off. Yeah. He's going to compete. He's going to try to be his best self. And hopefully, you know, if there was any negativity between him and Allen or somewhere else, they're grown men. You know, they're competitors. They're they've got the same goal yeah. in mind. They're gonna get through it. I got. So they, they one, had a. Yeah. They had that. They had their handshake going back again they, today. Yeah. Like it. I mean, you know what? The like Jake said, I think it, that there's just fine. a lot of it's board. A lot of board. A lot of board. People. Like yep. look, we're we're talking about. We've already talked about it right now for like six minutes. You yeah. Know what I mean? So like, my last it. thought on it is, if he wasn't the best one of the best offensive players on the team or in the league, we wouldn't care. Yeah, if he was our fifth or sixth or seventh string wide receiver, probably not talk about it. Yep, you're right. So anyway, 
But that, so, like, mandatory minicamp, that, unfortunately, like, that's the biggest story that's come out of it, honestly. Um, and But a couple of other things to touch on that we can, I mean, use minicamp to, like, almost, like, set our sights on uh, training camp at the end of July, like, things that are going to be um, storylines to watch for. I mean, minicamp isn't going to be, like, a proving ground for it, but it's a good, like, jump start for these things, is the competition at defensive end mm-hmm. and the fact that essentially um we can probably say that three of these defensive uh, defensive end spots are locked between von miller if he's healthy at the start of the season which you hope that he is you pray that he is um greg Rousseau and, and obviously the signing of leonard floyd and that leaves a real competition for obviously the last starting spot on defensive end but also you know <clears throat> Um, down the line between uh, Shaq Lawson, uh, Epinesa, Shane Ray, who is unlikely, um, incredible comeback story, and Boogie Basham, who ha- hasn't really shown a lot at what to this point. What a great name. Uh, Boogie, Boogie Basham. Basham. Come on. Boogie Basham. Booger. It's a great name. Booger Basham. No. Booger Basher. Booger Basher. That, that he, was my nickname in high school. He didn't pick his nose. He definitely got it. He definitely, he definitely picked his nose. Von Miller him. is listed. He picked his nose. Wiped it down, bashed it. On to people. Boogie basher. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see his birth certificate to see if that was actually his name or if he kind of, uh, you know, grew into that. Boogie? Yeah. Okay. Von Miller is listed on the Bills roster as a linebacker. Yeah, he's a he's a he's an edge rusher. He's, right. So my question is So is Leonard Floyd. He's listed as a linebacker. Which is interesting because they have more defensive ends listed than Well, it's a lie. Same amount of defensive ends listed as linebackers, and you would think the Von Miller would be listed as a defensive end if they're both the two options. Especially, yeah, when I don't think m- that they pay no. Care I'm just much about that, what I was know. just saying. It's interesting that like we're talking about these positions, and just looking at the roster, they seem to have more people on defensive end that we don't want to talk about yeah. than linebacker who are going to play defensive end. This is interesting. Well, you know, talking about that linebacker, there is now a hole, and there's a bit of a competition. You know, not necessarily starting in minicamp, but it's you know another a, story. Another storyline to watch yeah, for a very minicamp going into training. Camp. Very much so. A very because real competition. Edmonds is gone. Edmonds is gone, and he was. Chicago. I think. When you uh, I think he was. And Jake, if you want to pull up the stat, I think he played the most defensive snaps the entire season for the Bills. Well, it would make sense. Is the Mike Edmond? Edmonds, Edmonds, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm pretty oh, yeah. sure. I'm pretty sure. Want to make sure. I was so, um, you know, there's a there's he a spot played. there. The potential's there. Um, yeah. so that's another storyline to watch for. And as we go into training camp later in July, we'll actually deep dive into these. But we just wanted to say, like, oh yeah, these are things that uh, are going to happen that are going to be real. And mm-hmm. mini camp can be a, a first a good look for the coaching staff for eyes to be on these guys. Um, and, you know, some, like we talked about the competition at defensive end for a couple of spots between, like, maybe four or five guys, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, he was third. Third in defensive end? Tied for second. So, th- yes. Okay. Who, Sorry. Like, who is the favorite to emerge as the starter at middle linebacker for the Bills? That is just, that's the storyline. That's something to think about. You've got, um, the Bills have two third-round picks, Terrell Bernard from last year and Dorian Williams from this year mm-hmm. that are uh, going to be in competition. And then you've got uh, uh, Terrell Dodson and A.J. Klein also in the mix. And um, Dorian Williams has been getting work at middle linebacker. And um, 
Brandon Bean had said that he he or he seemed to say that he would get work at outside linebacker. So it's um interesting how that's changing with Williams. Mm-hmm. Um so just something to think about that we'll talk about more later down the line. But that middle linebacker spot with Edmonds gone is up for grabs. Dodson had the he had the most games. He played all sixteen as a linebacker. He had fewer tackles than four players in his position who had three less games than him. Dodson? Yeah. Really? Interesting. Okay. Well, anyway, that's um, something to keep an eye on. Yeah, so those are just three quick little storylines, and it's funny that we spent the most time talking about the least important one, truly, with this. But anyway, let's... But that's um, the drama we like. Yeah. So anyway, but again, Bill's talk is kind of light right now, so we are going to switch gears. And something new that we're going to try to do a little bit more of is when we switch gears from team to team is to do a little something fun in between each team's talk to kind of split things up, break things up a little bit, and show that we're clearly moving from one team to the next. So with that being said, as we move from football to the Buffalo Sabres and hockey, I'm going to toss it over to my younger brother, Jacob, whose hair is looking exceptionally well this evening, but not the best in the studio. Third place behind Joey and then me. First place. Anybody who wants to watch on YouTube, check me out. I've got the best hair in the studio right now. Nope. Look. For those not on video, we just did a quick side profile just so you could get it. Jake, you want to do a side profile? I clearly have the best hair. I just want to let you guys know that... The majority of people under the age of this is an estimate under the age of us around our age and younger will like my hair the most because our generation, Tommy's not Gen Z, but he's only like three months. He's only he's very close. Gen Z likes 95, Jacob. Yeah, you're close. Who Gen Z likes longer hair. So people our age, Joe, I'm not I'm, I'm not doing it for that reason. I was just saying if people come and look. Around our age, I will have the most people liking my hair. I, I don't even like my hair. Would you like a sticker? I can't. Do you I want a lollipop? I used to carry stickers in college. I would carry them in my book bag. Do you want a gummy so one? So then I could ask people sarcastically if they'd want a sticker, and then if they said I, yes, actually, I would give them I'd like a sticker. One. Anyways. Jacob, go ahead. Question, what do you got? Yeah, so I wanted to come up with a Bills game. Well, come up with. I want to do a football-related game. So what we're going to do is we are going to play paper football on silent. Okay, explain. No, I'm just kidding. We're not. Are you talking paper about football. the game where you flick like the? I was making. Yeah, so I was going to be. A thing, Can you give me a gummy worm with some content. orange in it? Yeah. Um, Joey actually has gummy worms. By the way, we are not playing paper football. What I did want to do though is, as we go, nice. I want to make more in depth and more um, special, more specific quizzes. But don't give me the gummy worms. I haven't had dinner. But for now, um, I want to start off with real simple. So for all three teams, we're going to start off with something really simple. Uh, if you're listening or watching, play along. I started off easy because I want us to kind of build as we gain momentum in these quizzes to gain in difficulty as well. Okay. So we are going to go stat leaders, just all-time stat leaders for the three teams that we're talking about. Okay. So we're going to start with the Bills. Um, let's start with, um, I bumped the mic, sorry. Let's start with passing yards. Number one passing yard, the passing yard leader as in we, Bill's we history. Just answer the as fast as we can? I don't care. Okay, Jim Kelly. Number two? 
Josh Allen. Not Josh Allen, not yet. He's not actually he's got he's got another third of his number uh, to go there. Drew Bledsoe. No. No, he's four. He no, he's five. He didn't play that much. Uh Fitzpatrick? He's three. No, no, no. I lied. He's four. I'm think I'm missing somebody. I'm You're missing, missing somebody you, you, before. Do we have Kelly. to go far back before Kelly? No. Oh. Wait. Taylor? Yes. Yes. Before I was gonna say it has to be before Kelly. Yes. Um oh well that just leaves uh Joe Ferguson. Yeah. Ah, why couldn't I think of Ferguson? I don't know. Okay. Jo- Jack Magic Kemp. is third. I didn't watch much uh, Wait, where's Ferguson. Alan? Alan's third. Oh, Alan's third. Then Jack Kemp, which is and then Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Fitzmagic, and then, okay. Where's J.P. Lossman? Because I mentioned him last episode. He is 10. <laughs> Okay. Uh, my boy. All right, let's go to Monday rushing or receiving. I mean, rushing seems like, well, it seems like a slam dunk, but at the same time, probably maybe not. Okay, shoot. I mean, it's not OJ, is it? It's not OJ. Right. By so, 900. Oh, by 1800. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, um, our Bills history is not what it is for the Yankees and Sabres. Just as yeah. as three young people, our Bills history is not the way that uh, our other two sports history is. Yeah, that's true. That's true. This one, we this one, you know, even I know. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't know, I know. a huge why, uh, Bills why, fan until a few years ago. I know. Why am I? See, I'm I'm thinking of uh, I'm thinking on defense. It's his name is an alliteration. Of, yeah, it's I'm not. All my I'm so. Tough. Bills Bills fans that are listening to this it's tough. right now are really, They're really... Mad. They're probably punching uh, the steering wheel. All right, I'm going to jump to receiving Oh, yards. oh my... I, his last name is close to mine. His last name is your first name. Yeah, Thurman Thompson. Why didn't I... Not Thompson. Thomas. Thomas, yeah. Why receiving yards? Say that? Who's uh, receiving yards? Any thoughts? Uh, Mike Evans. Mm. Or wait, no, wait, you're wait, thinking not Mike Evans. Mike Evans. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You're thinking sorry. of a different Evans. Yeah, I'm thinking, thinking of different. Lee Evans. I'm thinking of Lee Evans. And Mike no. Evans is on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. No, he's third. Uh, if you're listening, you know it. All right, how about it's uh, Andre Reed, by the way. Is it really by a lot? By a lot. All right, last Bills one. Okay, that makes Let's sense. Let's do something fun. Let's do. <laughs> Let's do sacks. Any idea? I I I would not have Keo gotten spikes. This. Uh, no, no, he wouldn't have led in sacks. He's not even a. He, this, uh, Bruce this, Smith. Yeah, by a lot. Yeah, very nice, very nice. Bruce. Again, right. Bills history. Not we didn't grow up. Um, yeah, as young young Bills fans, it's been more last what seven years. Uh, well, I've been. I mean, we've just, been watching the Bills our whole sure, life. Sure, sure, sure. But I, in but depth stats, yes, been more. in terms of like genuinely keeping track of yeah, yeah. everything. Yeah, that is probably really, picked up the last decade. Yeah, yeah our sure. Bills knowledge largely stems from there. Like the my Sabers knowledge goes back. Oh, you'll, we'll see. That's really be really amazing. well. Just because I've been I've been more in depth with the sport of hockey and the Sabers for a lot longer. Yeah, but speaking of the Sabers and hockey, that's a perfect transition as we move to talk about the Sabers and. Um, again, Joey mentioned at the top, the NHL offseason has officially begun yep. for every team now that the Stanley Cup Finals are over. And we saw our previous captain, Jack Eichel, lift Lord Stanley, which was, I don't know, for me was a little bittersweet uh, in a way. Like, I was kind of, like, I'm not the person that's just like, 
you know, screw Jack. I'm not like I'm not. I don't feel that way when I watch him. I'm I was kind of happy for him, but at I, the same time, I have I'm to like, think that a lot of yeah. Sabres Nation is split. You know, because yeah. you know, and we could. That's something that we could dive into. Um, you know, in depth is the whole Eichel situation. You know, and all that. But it, 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 at the very least, he played hard for the Sabres for several years. He was my favorite yeah, he, player. He never did me for too. a couple of years. So, me too. like you said, bittersweet. I mean, not even bitter. It's just kind of that. Uh, the only, only part that it's bitter is, is just watching another former Saber win the cup. That plus you know, that's knowing tough. that he was a good player that Very we much so. had to trade just because of the situation. Yep. But it, um, it wasn't yeah. working out. So you know, we saw that. You know, Golden Knights left Lord Stanley, and so it's uh, it's interesting to see um, just kind of how the composition of Stanley Cup winning teams is kind of. It, it, it's similar, but not. You know, it's kind of yeah, interesting. A, we look at the last recipe. four, five, six years at Stanley Cup winning teams, and as we talk about the Sabers, hopefully moving into an era of competing, not only for a playoff spot, but hopefully, you know, mm-hmm. pushing through the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It, it makes you wonder, you know, what can the Sabers learn a little bit from what we just saw from the Golden Knights and how the Florida Panthers were construction constructed, and it got them to the Cup but couldn't get them through the nights. So it's a, it's a good topic for discussion. Yeah, we like what can we what can the Sabers and the rest of the league Jake, I thought you weren't having any gummy worms. This you is five. You're such a you and seconds. candy. Have to move the bag. Um yeah, We're a big that, big candy. Big candy. Big, fan. Not chocolate though. Sweet gum. Big candy. That can, that bag will be gone very yeah. soon. What can the Sabers learn from the Golden Knights? What can the league learn from the Golden Knights? I think that's a very intriguing topic and Joey you just said the last few years there's clearly a recipe for success with teams luck always factors into it a little bit it does right it fate does. always factors into it a little yep. the bit the hockey gods always have their hands in the play of course yep. sure but at male the or end, female the hockey gods yeah come male on. or female come on Next. Jake don't do that alright so yeah there's a council of hockey gods we're we're very inclusive on two balls. One I thought puck. you were gonna say we're on the council. <laughs> no, we're not on the council of hockey gods. Very inclusive, two balls, one puck. Anyway, one thing that we can take away from the Golden Knights is on the back end. Very much so. defense. I think that's my eyes go immediately. My eyes went to that where, and that's where the Sabers are currently trying to uh, be. I mean, in, a, in layman's ways to say, be better. Yep. They're trying to be better on defense. I mean, and they are. We are. Getting there, between Darlene increasing his um, rate of success, Jacob touched on this an awesome stat in the last episode about Darlene's success in the defensive zone this last season. To Owen Power being still not legally being able to drink and being a, a, a stalwart defenseman coming up for the Sabers, um, Samuelson, Samuelson, who is gonna when we talked about steals of contracts yep. last episode, he didn't get brought up and he could be a huge steal down the line. But mm-hmm. the Golden Knights deployed. A big, tough, experienced, two-way, all-the-way-around core of defensemen who, at the end of the day, solidified in front of an inexperienced goalie, largely in Aiden Hill, who had a magical run. He really did. But in front of him made it a hell of a lot easier. And the Golden Knights defense between Petrangelo and even the... um, even the lower, even the guys that you wouldn't necessarily White think Cloud, about. White Cloud, Martinez. But yeah, but you have yep. your P- Petrangelo and Shea Theodore at the top, and you have your McNabb, your Martinez, your White Cloud, right? Nicholas Haig, 
so defense wins championships is an old adage that you would hear back in like the 90s and stuff like that. But it, even in today's NHL, which is as high of scoring as we've seen in the NHL in a long, long time, when you get to the postseason, does defense still win championships? Jacob, does defense still win championships in today's NHL? I mean, it's clear from not just the Golden Knights, but from the success of from the lack of success from the last, what, four, five years of the Maple Leafs, not yeah. to call someone yeah. out, but they you can't argue that the Maple Leafs offensively have been... A juggernaut. Yeah. Unbelievable. In the, in the regular season. Well, yeah, and then... In Mostly. The, yeah. Well, yeah. But the defense has been absolutely 100%. It, that is what wins. It's. Just, I mean, we'll get to baseball. Pitching wins in baseball, defense and hockey. And not... And to be honest, in football, there's a t- the uh, last Bills playoff game, we had a multiple, multiple periods of 10, 15, 20 minutes where it looked like the Bills did not have Josh Allen on the field because defense was just so solid. So, yeah, and I actually wanted to ask you, Tommy, this is me not knowing. I could Google it, but I just want to know. Have the Golden Knights had the same general manager since they started as a team? No. Okay, because when they their first year, mm-hmm. obviously they were gifted a different entry mm-hmm. draft. Are than, you one of those guys? Do you think the Golden Knights got handed a team? No, not handed, but they had a better opportunity than when the Jackets and Wild and Predators came in. True, hundred percent. They had a much better. Te- that's but true. they chose to build a team made for the playoffs right from the jump. They did not build the Maple Leafs. They built like we saw the Hawks and the Bruins have through the 2010s. They built a team that has been a playoff style, this composition you guys are talking about, from the jump. And I know this is a Sabres. We're going to focus around the Sabres. Yeah, but but this segment is what can we learn from the Golden Knights. They went from the beginning of their team to the fighting in the corners, Mm -hmm. blocking shots, intercepting pass lanes that the Sabres have not had since I was nine years old. Yeah, you think about... And I'm, uh, Joey, I'll let you chime in here too. But you think about uh, Jacob; those teams that you're talking about, the Sabers of old, the um, the early 2000s, mid 2000s Sabers, right? Mike the, Greer, sure. The 0506, the Jochen Hesches, yeah. right? The Paul Gustav, Commonville playing two A, sure. Yeah. Um, so, and uh, Jacob, I think what you were trying to, what you were getting at there too, is that that the Golden Knights built that their team that way post expansion draft when they first came into the league. Because when they came into the league at first, they took like looking at them now. It, you wouldn't think that the team was anything. They took Jonathan Marchessault, just won the Conn Smythe Trophy, for as the as the playoff MVP. And when he got taken in the expansion draft by Vegas, he was like high risk. No, to right? Take. No, but what so, I'm saying is, when they go hunting for these guys, they knew the style that they wanted to build. Yeah, the William Carriers and and such. Keegan Cole is high. Sure, yeah. trade. But the honestly the the amount of commendation that you have to give to Vegas in their front office for how they continue to build their team through trade and free agency right. after that. But their like, style hasn't changed. True. Very true. But, like, trading for Mark Stone is gargantuan. Yeah. Um, adding guys like, uh, obviously, Pichandro in free agency, the Shea Theodore uh, is signing or is so underrated. And Let's not forget they also traded for Eichel. Yeah, and you know what's funny about He's that? Good. We talked about this before we started recording, everybody. Jack, for those who might not know, Jack Eichel is the first player in the salary cap era. So since 2005-2006 season, he's the first player that makes $10 million or more to win a Stanley Cup. 
And that's kind of crazy. But it also shows you that <laughs> you don't necessarily need the best players in the league. You need the right players. You need the right ones. The right ones. So, you know, and we, we just saw you know the, the two, arguably, two best players in the league – and McDavid and Dreisaitl put on a performance for the ages. They were the points leader. Are they still? Did McDavid still finish playoffs? I think he got passed. I think finally they, in the yeah, cup I think, finals. I think Marcia, or I think they got passed. for for the points leader all playoffs, and he was two rounds only played. So you know it's interesting to see, and I think the Sabers can learn a lot from them. But to your point about defense wins championships. We have to remember that I don't know where they ended. And Jacob, do me a favor Eichel. and check this real quick. Eichel, where... did, Eichel did finish first in scoring in the, in the that, season. That, as a Sabres fan, hurts a little bit. It does. It does. But, Jacob, do me a favor. Look up uh, NHL regular season this past, the goals scored in the NHL for the regular season. Okay. Because for a large part of the year, the Sabres were battling for most goals scored in the season with the Bruins, who had this unbelievable historic season. The Sabres were right up there for the majority of the year in the most goals scored. And for much a lot of the year, they were hanging around 500. Mm-hmm. So it really shows that the Sabres not only can see Vegas with their incredible decor, not made up of the biggest names. Yes, mm-hmm. Shea Theodore. And, you know, uh, Petrangelo, great defenseman. But we have Darlene. We have power. Mm-hmm. The guys that might not get all the credit, mm-hmm. they're the ones that took this team to the championship. And, and in the finals, I think they set a record for the most blocked shots in a series in NHL history. And they didn't even go, ga- you know, seven games with three OTs in all the games. Yeah, and you you- know, They played a sound defensive game, four lines of offense and 60 and that's really what got it done. The Panthers were a great hockey team. Yeah. They couldn't get past yeah. the brick wall that was the whole Knights team. Well, and you you might be thinking to yourself, well, I mean, defense, Vegas scored a ton of goals in the Stanley Cup final. They scored nine goals in, in the clinching game, which is the most goals scored ever in a clinching game in Stanley Cup final history, by the way. I mean, the, the, but, to be fair, that game was, you know, it was, up, it was over. They kind of. But how many goals did Florida score? I mean, I mean, they scored a couple times every single game. But at the end of the day, Vegas was able to continue to keep Florida out of their own net while they they let their offense do well, their job. Well, there's no professional team in any of these sports that can't sco- put up points, whatever the, the term you're going to use for each sport. So having that defense, this old adage of defense being a good offense, you don't some teams don't not have the ability to score. It's whether they can whether they're being stopped and whether they're stopping the other team enough. So the Knights having the ability to shut down Florida with no other team, three juggernauts from the Eastern Conference could do. The top three teams in the East. The, shutting them down, that just allowed their goal scorers to do what their goal scorers do. The, the Bruins, Hurricanes when they're healthy, mm-hmm. and Maple Leafs have as good, if not better, scoring than the Knights. It was about giving them the opportunity from having that fantastic defense. Mm-hmm. That's, it, it, it all comes from that. So when we look at this, that's a good point, Jake. And when we look at this now, because we're this whole – Point, the point of this conversation is what can we learn? What can the Sabres learn from Vegas? And now, so if you really look at the two rosters side by side, okay, what on Buffalo's side can we compare to Vegas' side? Well, okay, Vegas had an absolute superstar who, funny enough, was Buffalo superstar for a long time with Jack Eichel. But do we have our high-end elite superstar yeah, his name is Tage Thompson, yep. and he's making less money than Jack Eichel now. And look, I, I was a big Jack Eichel fan up until he left. I really was. Bought but his jersey. I still have it, the 50, number 15 jersey. But anyway, we have the high-end scoring. And Joey mentioned that the Sabres were up 
in the top echelon of scoring in the during I have this that year. stat. So when you're done, okay. send it over. And that depth, though, that gets lower on the offensive side, that can contribute in the defensive end. Mm-hmm. That's something that the Torontos of the world, we see them fail year after year in the first round. They they blitz through the regular season, and obviously they finally broke it this year and they got past the first round. But The Lightning, the last couple years? The... <laughs> The, the Colton the, the Rosses, the Nick Pauls, the Blake yep. Coleman's, and these might not be names that any of you have ever heard of before, but that's exactly my point. Yep. That's exactly my point. And the Sabres might need a little bit more of that going forward. And when you go to the blue line, even more so, has anybody, I mean, maybe, I mean, Alex Petrangelo, sure, he's a huge name. He was a big ticket free agent when mm-hmm. the Vegas signed him. Shea Theodore, is a, he's been really good in All-Star uh, over the last couple of years, but Aside from that, how many people, just casual hockey fans, have heard of Zach Whitecloud or yeah. Nicholas Haig or yeah. Braden McNabb? Or Not Al- a lot of people. Or Martinez, who did Alex the same Martinez. thing he just did with Vegas Two or times. with uh, the Kings, Kings years two, ago. In 2014. Yeah. Actually yeah. scored the Stanley Cup winning, winning goal, goal in overtime yeah. against yeah. the New York Rangers. A but, great, great one. So, so, Jake, what's that stat? I'm curious. Okay. Yeah. So, we can look at it in two ways goals per game. Number one, Edmonton at 3.96. Number two, Boston. This is average. Yep. Boston at 3.67. Number three, Buffalo at 3.57. Number third in average goals per game. In total goals in the year, number one, Edmonton at 325. They, if you don't know, have a guy named Connor McDavid. He's all right. He's good. He was pretty good. Number two, Boston at 305. And number three, the Buffalo Sabres at 296. Now, you flip it to goals against. Don't know if you want to flip it to goals against because a team that missed the playoffs by one point, the Buffalo Sabres, which is oh, another conversation. no. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to be reminded Let's count really one, don't. two, our third in the East and sixth in the whole league. Four goals against. That For the is the most worst. Goals against yes. in the season. So that would be the twenty fourth or twenty fifth, and there so you go. it's too many. The recipe the- for the Sabers' success this upcoming season is very clear, and I don't think that we're the only ones talking about it. I think that obviously Granado and Adams know this as well, and we hope that in the off season and start of the year, this is something that we can see on paper changes. Yes, players can develop and change, but. You know, we definitely need some help on the back end. Yeah, now, the back end is huge, and well, we're talking about that. And I think a- along those lines, like, uh, one of the conversations that always comes into play with um, the construction of these past Stanley Cup winners, we're talking about the Knights specifically, but the Avalanche last year, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the two previous years, is that bottom six core. You have the goal scoring up top, but that bottom six forward core that consistently provides excuse me, secondary scoring provides the term sandpaper, which is grit and physicality, the ability to block shots, kill penalties, but also chip in offensively. And those are the guys, those names that I mentioned that Tampa Bay had years ago, the Nick Pauls, the Blake Coleman's, the Colton Yanni Rosses, Gord. Yanni Gord's, sure. Those are the names that get underrated. And, and when I look at Buffalo's roster right now, right, you've got the high-end guys, like, and we'll, we'll compare to Vegas, right? In Vegas, you've got Eichel, Marcheseau, William Carlson, Riley Smith. I mean, Mark Stone is one of the best two-way forwards in the game. Mm-hmm. So, But those top six forwards, comparatively, right? Maybe to Eichel is our Tage Thompson, right? 
our Jonathan Marcheseau right now maybe is our Jeff Skinner, so to speak, right? Our Mark Stone is our Alex Tuck. So I and we go into the bottom six and you start looking at the um the Vegas's bottom six, and I look at our bottom six, it's just not comparative to size. Experience has something to do with it. But you look at, I mean, aside from the veteran leadership of Kyle Poso and, you know, Zemus Gergensen's, you've got Jack Quinn, who's still growing, literally, and, and uh, you know, he's physically he's still growing, and he's still growing as a player. He's younger than all of us. J.J. Paterka, Sad. right? Vinny Henestroza, the addition of Jordan Greenway was big, I think, going forward for the Sabres. That's the kind of player that the Sabres need more of in their bottom six, yeah. in my opinion. Guys who... As you'll you might hear analysis say, hold on to pucks more, where they're able to get the puck in the zone and keep it there in the O zone for a little bit, right? So, and I will say, Tom, I'm gonna interrupt go you. Ahead. No, I go ahead. think that that was noticeable, and we weren't even in the playoffs, but in those games that had a playoff mentality, the physical, fast, mm-hmm. hard hitting games, the Sabres got pushed around a lot. They mm-hmm. did. And that was the bottom six especially. But like you said, not only does the bottom six contribute defensively, it creates space and opportunity for the top six to go out there and score like they need to. But, you know, what we saw a lot of times this year is that our top six, our first and second line, was pairing up against the first and second lines of the teams we were playing against to try to stop them from scoring because our bottom six couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. And then our goals were not coming in those games. So not only do we need some help, like we said on the back end, we think that there's some improvement that we can have there. We've got some great defensemen, though. We really do. And even Henry Yokiharu at one point was regarded as Chicago's future number one defenseman. Mm-hmm. He's solid, too. You know, So there's some things that we can do to contribute to that goals against number that aren't necessarily defensemen. Yeah. So you know, our bottom six forwards, they're good, and there's a lot of promise. Peyton Krebs, Jack Quinn, J.J. Paterka, these kids are incredible. But, but are that's they, not the, necessarily the recipe right. that's going to take you to the playoffs and beyond. Are they the sandpaper guys? They're all projected to be top six forwards, a lot, most of those guys. Yeah. I mean, our and second line so, for most of the year was Dylan Cousins, J.J. Paterka, yeah. and Jack Quinn. They were very productive, but is that a t- line that could go out there and match and stop a line of Marcia Soul and Eichel and Stone? You know, so Sabres talk in this offseason, you know, third in the league, for goals for that's incredible. That's something they should that's be proud a of. Team. That's something that you know almost was. It's incredible. So, it so we clearly have the talent to produce goals, but we need to from the whole all eighteen skaters. We need to make sure that we have better defense. For yeah. Next so year. this is the stat that I would say if I had to pick one just from this brief search. There's obviously advanced analytics, but the playoff team that so the Sabers let up three hundred goals this year. Okay. Mm-hmm. The team that got into the playoffs that let up the most goals, so of all the playoff teams, the one that had the the worst goals against, was forty fewer than the Sabers. Mm-hmm. Not big, close. And who was that? That was the Oilers. And to, and they were there. That's their game, though. They but, were allowed. They to were do number that. one in goals. goals scored. They were allowed to do that. Right. They're, by they're, a lot. Their goal scoring offensively was so yes. high end. They didn't have it a lot of two one so games. They had a lot of six four games yeah. <laughs> both ways. Yeah. So, yeah, it's something, it's very clear. Uh, the three of us know it. I'm sure a lot of Sabres Nation knows that the recipe for the Sabres to continue to succeed and hopefully grow, it's going to start in the D zone. Yeah, it's going to start in the D zone from 
both sides of the from offense from forwards and defensemen and right? and between in the net vibes. and between the net yep. yes which is arguably just as uh, debatable right now and we're not going to launch ourselves too far into that tonight we thought about it was on the docket maybe to talk about the goaltending yeah. stuff I think it's best saved for our next step yeah uh, we're we're going to talk about Sabers the goaltending buzz the trade market buzz there's a lot of questions uh, in between the pipes for the Sabers because one could debate if the Sabers had a uh, legitimate goaltender, number one goaltender throughout the year that, that could have snuck him into the playoffs. And obviously Devin Levi was awesome when he came in, but it was kind of too little too late at that point. And he so, he was, I mean, yeah, right. he needs a season. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Um, yeah. I, uh, I think in our next episode, the trade buzz in general, but mostly kind of continuing the discussion of defense into the net. And goal the is the next. Yeah. Right. Um, average of two inches can be stretched to an average of six inches. Joey's is Joey needs to know that. significantly less. We are talking reasons. about bladders. The average bladder <laughs> is two inches when empty. I'm, I really think Joey's, you should have made that clear before we started about talking, going from two to six inches, Jacob. The average oh, bladder is two inches when okay. empty and can be expanded up to six inches when full. Now, the difference between two to six inches is very different. Joey's bladder is one half of one inch when empty and one inch when full. That is being made up on the spot. But to be honest with everyone listening, Joey is famous. (laughs) I mean, within work, within our family, for just having the smallest, smallest bladder. He pees... Just so, so frequently. And um, so going forward, not because we think that it's the funniest thing ever, which it is funny, but because it's completely necessary, (laughs) we are going to add a segment that is involves around Joey leaving to go use the bathroom because we won't get through an episode. That may or may not be in every episode. Joey, you have... Could you pee right now? Yes. I was going to say, I was going to let you right now. You don't need to? I do. Yeah, yeah, you do. So anyways, Joey's two-inch bladder when soft is, (laughs) when empty, is is not empty. Joey's two-inch bladder when soft. This is a family-friendly podcast. It's always uh, it's PG. Bladders are always soft, guys. It's an organ. <laughs> okay, but you can't say <laughs> Joey's in that. Joey's two inch. So the segment that empty. my brothers are suggesting oh. is that uh, it's it has not been titled yet. It has not been officially named, but they think that. Tommy, uh, how big is your bladder when full? Six inches is average. Joey, what is yours? <laughs> I mean, if we're just based on the. Uh, never mind. Never mind. Um. So, anyways, the segment it's not titled yet. It's not named yet. But essentially. What's going to happen is, uh, when applicable, there will be a quick segment where uh, I will literally run to the restroom, <laughs> I'm and Tommy and Jacob. So can see him run past uh, me. Tommy and Jacob yeah. will uh, do something while I'm gone, and so the goal is for me to, uh, um, in a hygienic fashion, use be the restroom, wash my hands, and get back here. This was so uh, long, Joey. Just go. Oh, he's starting, the, he's starting the time. Anyways, we're going to mix our P segment with our Sabres quiz. Just... Three, two, one. So and the... there he goes. P time with Joey for those who are watching Joey, on YouTube. Joey, Tommy, can I lock the door? Uh, no. no. It doesn't lock. Uh, that would have been good. Joey is not in the room. He's peeing. 
Okay. He's so, wanting to go pee. So Tommy, it's just me and Jacob. What's for, up, Jacob? We're going to try to um, name. We're going to try to do something as many times as we can in Joey's allotted pee time. All right. We got about 35 in seconds. In the future, we're going to hit a timer. I okay. missed it. But right, you're going right. to start with the Sabres games played leaders. All How, time. All time. Okay. Can I go? Go. I'll tell you. Not including up. goalies. Or yes, including goalies. Not including goalies. Okay. Games played leader all time. Joe Bear Perot. One. Rick Martin. Ten. Rene Robert. I just did the French connection right no. out of the gate. Nope. Oh, okay, okay, that's fine. Um, uh, Dave Andershuk. Mm, six. Alex Mogilny. Mm, no. Dominic Hasek. No, not including goalies, you said. No. Uh, uh, J- uh, this is so rapid fire. Ah, you Joey's back. <laughs> J- Jason Palmerville. Jason Palmerville is eight. Joey, all-time Sabres games played leaders. All-time Sabres. Tommy's game. got Perot. Derek Roth. Derek Roy. Derek Roy. No, De- not Derek Roy. Yeah, why would he be? Tommy has Perot, Anderchuk, Pominville, and Rick Martin. So you're missing some. Ryan Miller. Not goalies. He don't count. said no goalies. Mm. Okay, uh, I'm gonna just gonna keep going. Yeah. Miro Miro Shatan. No. Max Finneganoff. No, he wouldn't be up there. No. Um, you guess Anderchuk. Yeah, Anderchuk. Uh, see, I'm thinking more points, not games played. Yeah, I, I gotta yeah. start thinking. Okay, more let's games move to points. any of the Pat French. Any of the French connection. I got it. I named them all. Pat LaFontaine? No. Hmm. Really? No. What? Ramsey? Okay. Craig Should have Ramsey. had that. Okay. Should have had that. Or um, Mike Ramsey. Both. Mike Ramsey. Both. Oh, okay. They're one. They're, they're two and three. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and then you got Jitnik. Mm. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. And for a while. Rob Ray. Wow. Oh, I, Razor. Yeah. But that makes sense, though. Wow. Okay. That points. Ray is one. No, Ray is four. Jitnik was one. Perot was one. He got that. Oh, first. okay. All right, we'll go points, points and then we'll move on. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Okay. All or right. do you want to do goals or assists or point? Where do you want to? Which one do you like? Um. Don't or do you want to make it harder? Make it harder. Do plus minus. I got plus minus. All time plus minus leader Sabres. Buffalo Sabers yeah. history. But uh, can you preface Phil, that Phil, with Phil Housley? Phil Housley is my answer. Can you preface it with like if they played a lot as a Saber? Because you know if it's one guy that came in at a plus seventy four season and then left. You know what I no, mean? No, because is this with Sabers games? Yes, Sabers okay. games. Houses a great Phil Housley's my answer. Not in the top ten. Um, the the top two are forwards or defensemen. The, defensemen. For, yes. Is yeah. Jury up They're there? They're always defensemen, no. dude. They're yeah. most defensemen here. Um, yeah. plus minus. It can't be modern Sabers, right? No. It can't be. Um, Dave Schoenfeld. No. Or uh, okay. Uh, Ramsey up there again. Which one? Mike. So it's Craig. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just read, no, read, read one. the three to us, Jake. Number, number one. one. Three. Don Luce and Danny Gear. Danny Gear. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but plus minus didn't count back in the 70s. All right. Last one. Just yeah. just name the number one. Sure. Do it. Shutouts leader. Hashik. Ryan Miller. It's it's Hashik, then Miller. It's Who's three? Marty, Poopa. Marty Baron. Darn it. Who's four? Darren did, I say, did I get it right? You got it, yeah. It's, so it's Marty Braun. It's Marty Braun. Four? Tom Barrasso. He's five. <clears throat> is it modern-ish? Um, no. no. Because oh. the go- Sabres haven't had a goalie no, since Miller. not at all. That's um, why I was surprised that... I know the name, okay. but I'm surprised Hashik, he was above Miller, a couple of these guys. Hashik, Miller, Baron, blank, Barrasso, yeah. Grant Fuhr. No, he didn't play long enough with the Sabres. No. Um, this is with 14 Steve shutouts. Shields. Steve Shields. No. 14? Don Edwards. I, let me keep going. Sorry. That's okay. 
Who is it? Don Edwards. Don Edwards. Good guess. Let's I guess go. Robin Leonard had six shutouts as a saver. Yeah, and zero shootout saves. It's all amazing. right. Zero. Seriously. Uh, in one year, I don't know if all time in oh, the Sabres okay. career, but no, no, no. In twenty, yeah, 20, it was either like a seven. miss, like he, they missed the net, or he they it, scored. He didn't have like a it, true save. Correct. Uh, no, no. I, he, he, just, he got scored on every, every single. So you're time. telling me no one just came Didn't in and score. missed? It was three for two, three. It was every like two. Time. That's it was like 2017 or 18. Story. No, it was his last year. What was his last year? Like 18. 18. That was later than that. Mm-hmm. Okay. 19. 18 or 19. Okay. Then no, because he went to Vegas. No, no, no. He went to the Islanders. Islanders in Vegas or Blackhawks okay. maybe. Well, anyway, that's a good way to wrap up the Sabers talk. Yeah. Um, we will definitely talk some more about you know we talked about what they need, but let's see. As of right now. What just happened, we're going to switch our focus to the New York Yankees. So this is baseball talk now. And um, right now we're all high-fiving each other because IKF, was it IKF? Almost grounded into a double play, turned into an error, um, and uh, uh, Yankees scored a run. So Yankees talk right now. There's a A lot lot. discussion. And uh, not all of it's fantastic, but, you know, there's uh, some good stuff, some bad stuff. But, um, you know. Tom, what what do, you, what do we got on the docket for the Yanks today? Okay, well, currently right now the Yankees are, uh, like I just said, they're playing the the Mets right now. They're winning two to one. They're in the top of the seventh inning. Uh, last night the Yankees' offense finally broke out of their shell after a horrible, horrible, horrible couple of series at home against the White Sox and Red Sox, and they scored seven runs. They actually had multiple hits. You guys are just still eating candy. If there's candy in this room, you cannot contain us. It's horrible. I haven't had dinner so or lunch. We don't really have the ability to recap the entirety of the Mets series right now. Well, it's because it's still going on. Because it's still going on. However, I think the biggest thing that I'd like to talk about with the Yankees, we started talking about it a little bit last episode when we were talking about Volpe. Sure. Um, well, and that do you led think us- we should each just have one fun, like not fun, one Yankees topic, maybe each of us bring like one thought because I have one thing I want to talk about. You have one you want to talk about. Okay. Then Let's we we each bring one and we kind of discuss until we're out. And as then long as the, the bullpen go, go gets covered, I got bullpen. Okay. Go for right. it. I'll go last because bullpen closes games, or I'll go second. Okay. Bullpen closes. IKF also closes games. That's my <laughs> relief. Not, pitcher. not technically. Um, okay. I'll st- I'll kick it off. Sure. Then. Go ahead. All right. So my topic with the Yankees right now is our. Up until last night, Jacob is pouring gummy worms into his mouth. You want to keep talking? Our anemic offense and the horrible, horrible current roster construction of the New York Yankees offense. That is my topic. Now, it's it could be a whole hour and 15-minute podcast on its own, so I will keep it very, very brief. Um, but essentially, right now, the Yankees are still missing Aaron Judge. To the injury list, and Harrison Bader, who actually is due back to, uh, on Friday for the start of the Boston Red Sox series. But right now, without Judge, the Yankees, as Jacob put it, and I quote, look like a shell of a playoff team. That's what you said, I think. In the first that's episode. a good line. It's, that's why I quoted it. Thank you. It's a fantastic line, and it's very, very true. The Yankees, and the number one thing I have right now with the Yankees' offense is the lack of a true leadoff hitter veterans not producing currently, and that leads us into the overall roster construction that we're looking at. Which one do you want to start with? The leadoff hitter. Okay, go for it. The Yankees currently do not have a true leadoff hitter. There is a new leadoff hitter. There has been a new leadoff hitter in several games this year. 
we thought it was going to be DJ, DJ LeMahieu because, well, he's won two batting titles and he was the MVP in 20 or MVP votes in 2020. And he won the batting title in 2020 and he was hurt in 2021. So we kind of brushed it off last year. He kind of got there a little bit better, but I mean, he had a few great months last he did. year. And Aaron yeah. Boone said before the season started that DJ's our guy up at the top of the lineup. DJ LeMahieu is not hitting. Do you want some a quick all. LeMahieu stat? Yes, please. Do you want a an analytic or a stat? Uh, whatever you think's best. Okay, let's look at this. This is because Jakey oh. knows best. This is what I think is, in my opinion, the most important conversation about LeMahieu. It's not obviously you can look at his numbers, and his numbers are not necessarily fun to talk about. But if you're looking a little bit deeper into what's going on, LeMahieu is. To quote myself, to quote Tommy, quoting myself, mm-hmm. a shell of himself when it comes to contact with the ball. It's really not his contact percentage. And then when he's hitting the ball, he's hitting the ball hard, but his launch angle is that of a person who is noticeably does not have a batting average. His hard hit percentage is not that of someone who is crushing balls. It's my um my baseball savant page is currently frozen. But I so I have one of his stats up, but I'm just trying to load more. But so what I do have up, I can tell you, yeah, is that his exit velocity, how hard he hit the ball, is just the lowest it's ever been in his career. He, the um, percentage he's hitting the sweet spot of his bat is the highest, but his per- contact percentage is the lowest. Mm. So that's what I think Lemayhu's going wrong. So when he hits the ball, mm-hmm. it's hitting the barrel of his bat the most than it's that it ever has in his career. Okay. But he's hitting the ball the least. I'm going to interrupt and just say that IKF just stole home. Did he really? It, it, it well, was a passed ball. Little League home. No, it was a passed ball, but he was stealing home. Okay. So with LeMahieu, Yanks up 3-1. With LeMay- uh, w- last one, sorry. Last one. Oh, it, it finally loaded. No, no, go ahead. This is the one I wanted. His, his um, K rate, his strikeout percentage. This is the one I was looking for. 2020. 2020, 9%, shortened season, whatever. 2021, 2, and 2019, his years as Sabres, 13%, which Rockies. is... Because sorry, Sabres. His years as Yankees. Yankees, okay. 13%, <laughs> which is in the top 5% of the league. This year, 26%. It is double his last... It's His average K rate shocking. is twice as much so as it, his ever so time as a Yankee. So he's chasing. He's not, no, he's not. He's not chasing. No, he's not hitting balls in the zone. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. He's I mean, not when chasing. You think of DJ LeMahieu, thrown, he's not hitting. You think of DJ LeMahieu, you think of the guy that just puts the ball in play. He, and he and wears out the opposite absolutely, side of the field. Wears absolutely. Out, when, he puts the ball in play in all facets. He can pull shift, one down the line. He can push one down the line. He can go opposite field homer. He can pull one left no. field. And he's just not himself. When the you can shift tell. was still a thing, this is the first year of... Yeah, this is the first year that MLB has uh, instituted a no-shift rule. And you would see that DJ LeMahieu over the last several years was one of the last players in MLB that did not get a shift against him because he could put the ball anywhere in the field. Players, the teams would line up straight up against him, like traditional, like we're seeing a little bit more now, but traditionally because DJ LeMahieu was able to consistently use left field, right field, right center, left center, hit for power, hit for contact, and that's what saw LeMahieu's batting averages creep well over 300 for a couple of years with the Yankees. 
And this is all a large tangent, not supposed to be targeted just at DJ LeMahieu, but the leadoff hitting spot in particular. And that's what I'm going to stay on and probably the only thing I'm going to talk about because I want to get to your guys' points before we wrap things up tonight. But um, that's my biggest issue. I like In years past, the Yankees have traditionally really, really leaned on. I mean, we saw it for a long time with Derek Jeter before he, you know, he bounced around and went to the two hole a lot. But when the Yankees brought on Johnny Damon and we had Damon for several years, um, but the Yankees have not had this year a consistent leadoff hitter. It's been LeMahieu. It's been Torres. It's been Jake Bowers. It's been Willie Calhoun. It's been yeah. all over the place. Well, I mean, and obviously injuries play a part oh, of this. It's been hundred percent injuries do play a part. Yeah. The lineups being shuffled, consistency in the batting order is very random. But look, once look at the last couple World Series winning teams mm-hmm. and their leadoff hitter, mm-hmm. consistent. You, I mean, incredible, <laughs> consistent. Yeah. Through the regular season yeah. and into playoffs. Yeah, and but here's my thing, Joey. Even when Judge and Bader come back, unless Bader's hair is on fire and it was when he was healthy, no. it's not. His, it's not his but calling card. Correct. Thank you, Jacob. Bader's not a leadoff hitter. No. He's not. I mean, he's fast, yes, but no, he was on fire. But even when those guys come back, unless Bader's on fire, one of them's on fire. We the lineup still doesn't change in the leadoff spot. I know. Yeah. The Yankees want it to be Volpe at someday, but he's just it very well could be for the our, next six years. It could be, but right now that's not the answer. Right as our last episode, looking very at the much numbers and how they are respectively as leadoff hitters. You know who's the best batting average as a leadoff versus other spots in the order in the Yankees? Glaber Torres. Glaber Torres. Yeah. yeah. So you know, but and that puts into play with Tommy said so the whole roster and the lineup in general is you know as he is tonight, Glaber's out of the lineup because if you want to try to get DJ going, that means he needs at-bats and he needs to work through it. He's not playing third base. And he's not playing third when Donaldson's Donaldson's there. there. So that means Glaber's out. And while Stanton is the permanent DH, that's no... So, you know, it's hard to think that that they're limiting themselves by what they have going on in the roster, not just the the batting order. Yes, and so when I talked about what I want to talk about was roster construction and offense and everything, that's kind of what... That's very, very, very... Tip of the iceberg, talking about the roster construction, where essentially here's the quick version. The Yankees have too many infielders and designated hitters and no outfielders right now. And we also don't have enough left-handed hitters, which I want to get into another segment down the line with talking about. The you know, that's actually lefties, if you got, you know, we each were kind of going to pick something oh, no to kidding. talk about. I was just going to. Well, go ahead. Okay. Well, perfect uh, transition. I think that you know that the, that's where literally the two things that I was going to mention is that looking at our roster, active, not injured, currently playing games roster right now. Okay. Infielder. Infielder, 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 infield, infield, infield. And traditionally, there's only one true outfielder in the Yankees lineup right now. It's Billy McKinney. Crazy. <laughs> it, it's crazy. It's Billy, and he's yeah. hitting. He is and, hitting. And, you know, Willie Calhoun is, you know, Jake Bowers. Yes, they can play outfield, but we see that, you know, IKF has been a pretty much permanent outfielder who has never played in the MLB before this year. It's crazy to me, and yes, injuries have a part of this. Bader and Judge are our center fielder and right fielder. They are. Starting opening day, playoff, they are the center fielder and the right fielder. Mm -hmm. But the Yankees still don't have a left fielder. That's my – I had two points. Lack of left fielders – and lack of left-handed hitters. And it seems crazy that Yankee Stadium is one of the hardest 
stadiums to play left field in. We saw Brett Gardiner, one of the best defensive outfielders in his era, play a phenomenal left field and how important that was in the Yankees' success in that era. And we're throwing guys out there now at random, it seems like. Mm -hmm. And by no means is this a shot to Boone. He has a very difficult deck of playing cards right now to put a lineup together, you know, five, six, seven days a week. Roster construction. It is tough right now. And the second thing that I was going to mention is, Mm -hmm. you know, we just, we've played a couple of teams recently where it seemed like seven out of their nine hitters were lefties. And they roll it out in Yankee Stadium, and when they doink that 325 short porch, and we go, hey, we should do that more often, how don't the Yankees, which, no, they're going to play half their season in this extremely left-handed hitter-friendly stadium, how don't we try to build our team and shape our team a little bit more around left-handed hitters? Well, that's a great question. Well, I mean, the, historically, Jacob. That's what I was just going to say. Historically. So let's, look, say. let's look at this for a second. Let's think of some of the all-time great Yankees. Well, there's uh, Babe Ruth, yep. for example, lefty. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's uh, Lou Gehrig, mm-hmm. lefty. Mm-hmm. There's uh, more recently. Let's go a little bit more recently. Tito Martinez, lefty. Jason mm-hmm. Giambi, lefty. Mark Bernie Wi- Mark Teixeira, switch hitter. But- Barney, Bernie Williams, lefty. Yeah. The Yankees have always. Hideki Matsui, Johnny Damon, lefty. Look at the last time the Yankees won the World Series. It was Damon, Cano, uh, Posado as a switch hitter, Teixeira. They had Young Gardy. Young Gardy, yeah. a healthy balance of lefties always in their lineup. And, Joey, that's a great point, and it infuriates me that right now we do have lefties in the lineup, but it's... No offense. They're lefties no that wouldn't be in the lineup if we right. had a fully healthy. But that's you. the issue. Jacob. Is that that's the issue? Yeah. Is that when you're healthy, you have one lefty, mm-hmm. Anthony Rizzo. Maybe I don't know who who your best left fielder is right now. It might be a lefty. It might be Bill McKinney for the, like today. Yeah. Yeah. It could be a Isaiah switch Kinefer hitting, Lefa. struggling Oswaldo Cabrera. It's tough to say. Yeah. No, but that's the. I mean, if we're being totally honest, your best lineup has Judge in left field. Stanton in right field, and then Lemayhu or Torres DH with Donaldson. Judge in left field. That's Have we your, seen that since training camp? He played a couple in left field. Would you rather set? Would you sacrifice Donaldson's defense at third in order to have um, Stanton in the like? So, for example, if if Stanton plays right, and that means that means that one of Judge or Bader has to play at Yankee Stadium. Judge or Bader has to play left, right? Which means that they show ju- they sh- they've shown that Judge did do it. Donaldson is playing third, Lemayhu's DHing or vi- or second, and then well or Torres. Torres, yeah. But you'd like to think that Donaldson's playing third because of his defense, right? And, and then either DJ. Torres or or Lemayhu's yeah, sure. DHing, yeah. So, but so that's my point. And watching anyway. it, and no, yeah, know, the question- they, they get they run into him sometimes, but you know, wasn't the shortest. Home run in the Yankee, the new Yankee Stadium history just hit against the Yankees. Yeah, it was against. Truly, I, don't, the, I don't know if it was in history. It was, de- it was the Red Sox. It was the Red Sox. It was a legitimate porch job. Like a it, it couldn't. I thought it was the White Sox catcher who did it. Um, His first you know home run of the multi home run game. It yeah, because yes. Calhoun went over and Calhoun five six. Short two hundred and eighty pounds. A step stool couldn't have gotten over the wall. That's fine, <laughs> but but no. But the point is, it's true. It, he is so small. Aaron Judge, that ball hits him in the face. A normal outfielder catches that ball. That's how short it was. Yeah. 
Will Calhoun is not a normal outfielder. No. He's teeny tiny. So I think you know I don't think that this this begs any discussion currently because we could dive into this both things that I said left handed hitters and our absence of a true left fielder right now. But it's just uh, it's food for thought that I think has been here since the beginning of the year and even through the off season when we let Andrew Benatendi walk and not really secure a true left fielder. Mm-hmm. We started on opening day kind of curious what was going to happen, and we still have no well, idea. It was the if f- the Yankees have a fully healthy lineup right now, like you said, Jacob, we still don't really have left fielder. our true no, left no, no, fielder no. that we want to roll out there no. five, six days a week. So, you know, maybe as we move towards the <laughs> trade deadline and the Yankees' finalized or relatively finalized roster gets wrapped up for postseason ball, maybe we'll have a clearer picture. But right now, based on the guys that are on the roster – we have no idea what it's going to look like, even fully healthy. Yeah, or we scary. do know when we don't want to. We don't want to admit that. We admit know. It. Yes, yeah. it is scary though. But so the what? lack of lefties, Joey, is a great point. It's so crazy. between the leadoff hitter, the lack of lefties, and a left fielder right now, um, offensive construction is a very big work concern that we can talk even more about. But let's, Jacob, why don't you kick us out with? Your Yankees point, and I yeah. think you're going to be talking about the bullpen a little bit. So I do want to talk about bullpen, which is a bright spot comparatively to the offense that's been miserable. Absolutely it's a very bright amazing. spot. Miserable. Very bright amazing. spot. The, the yeah. Yankees have the best bullpen in. It depends on what kind of stat. If you want to go, if you want to talk about ERA, earns earned runs, they have the the best numbers by far by over half an earned run over other other bullpens. This is everyone coming out of the Yankees bullpen specifically. And then, then I do want to talk about Clay Holmes um, as an individual, but for the whole bullpen. But and also other more advanced pitching stats like FIP, like BABIP, like everything, all these things that we can dive into a little bit. I think maybe in a future time we talk about analytics. But these stats that say WIT percentage, runners allowed on base per inning, all these, all of these stats that pitchers are looking at the Yankees bullpen is just the best. It's not good. It's the best. And the Yankees starting pitching has been questioned because we've had injury concerns. We've had effectiveness concerns. But the bullpen has been incredible. Just so good. And before I talk about about Holmes, to throw to either or both of you, when the Yankees are late and close in games like they are right now, mm-hmm. how do you guys feel nerves wise do you think it's going to be a lockdown game do you think it's going to be are you nervous compared to like recent years i think that in the last i'd say that the last 3 seasons prior to this one i have watched almost every yankees game from pretty much start to finish when i can and this year i think that we've had better people in the bullpen before bigger names bigger just names. better Name numbers wise. Name wise. you know quote unquote better relievers or a true closer quote unquote but there's several yankee bullpen guys that i feel very comfortable with you know ron marinaccio if you don't know the yankees you probably have never heard of this guy he's incredible at one point last year he was one of if not the best for a stretch of time relievers in the entire league you know wandy peralta like jacob you're going to touch on clay holmes a little bit more yeah you know, but there are some guys that are just make you feel. You take a deep breath. They're coming in from the bullpen. You see Boone Point, and you say, "Okay, he's coming in." I don't remember in recent history having this much confidence in a bullpen, and the Yankees have needed it. 
they have really needed that bullpen strength that they've been getting. It's been, it helps save the offense from time to time because when you score two to, without judge, they're scoring three and a half, less than three and a half runs per game, which is really bad. Yeah. So when that's happening and you, your, your starting pitcher gives you a good effort, if your bullpen is not perfect, you will lose the game. Yeah. And they've been really good. They've been, this is a fun stat, and then I'm going to get to Holmes to, to close this out. Usually, <laughs> you're, <laughs> that was a joke. That was not in purpose. Or the eighth. Um, or, yeah, don't close. No ninth inning Holmes. Um, Very true. Usually starting, so you have, I'm just going to talk about ERA really quick, um, which is like kind of outdated a little bit, but it's still, still relevant. It's still a go-to. Yeah. But the... Usually, starting pitchers have an average ERA between like 3.75 and 4.25. is like a, a solid middle-of-the-order starter. Bullpen pieces can have an ERA of anywhere in the zeros to the low twos is really, really good. But as we know, bullpen ERA can be totally unreliable because you got to get a guy who comes in, in for two games, gives up five runs, and then for 20 games, gives up one or zero runs, and mm-hmm. his ERA is going to be bad. Mm-hmm. That is to set up this point that the Yankees, n- nine of their top ten leaders in ERA are out of the bullpen, wow. which is unbelievable. Usually you have two or three guys in the ones and twos, then you have your starters and your threes and fours and your bullpens and your you know three and a half, four and a half, so five. one range. starter in the top ten? It's Garrett Cole. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I was going to guess. Ooh, I just lied to you. Domingo Herman is number ten. Oh, okay. At what three, four, nine, which is actually pretty good. Mingo's but to have name. to have eight e- guys Sticky leading hands. your ERA, no kidding. Um, your bullpen. Yeah, it's, that's incredible. That's impressive. That's that's a fun and stat. Let's not forget, really quick, uh, before you get into Holmes. I mean, sure. y- yeah, right now, like we're seeing incredible performances, and Ron Marinaccio, Joey, it just came into the game right now. Bases loaded, two outs. Yanks are up three-one. This could get ugly, or we could see another. Interjection, interjection. We're talking about him right now. Um, um, Marinaccio is bad with inherited runners. When he comes in with runners on base, he's bad. So my hopes just went down. But we and have. Let's not forget about Michael King. I was too. just going to say we'll we have he was before his injury. Yeah. the best. Well, he's pretty darn good we this have, year. Too. Yeah. No, and, I meant yeah, before yeah. he went Bef- out. Yeah. yeah. And what I want to bring up too is the fact that yeah, we have Holmes performing at an elite level like he was when he was an All Star last recently. year, right? Um, yeah, recently we have Marinaccio. King is performing all consistently. He might be our most consistent bullpen piece. Is Michael King? Wandy is hilarious and fun, and he's awesome. And Weber was Web dog <laughs> before he went on injury. And Jimmy Cordero has been a huge, and Ian Hamilton who's on the Sneaky. injury list right yeah. now, right? But you know who's. And Marinaccio just hit. No. Nemo. Oh, off the bat, foul ball. No, I think. Sorry, everybody. So, but just to wrap this up, how about some names that are still on the injured list that the Yankees have out of the bullpen? Jonathan Loisa. He was their number one reliever for two years. Scott, or top three this, reliever. This name probably totally escapes people, but yeah. Scott Efros. He was yeah. good. So Lou good. Trevino, who yeah. we got in the Frankie Montas. These were three the guys that we would want in playoffs, and yes. they're still there. Not on the team currently. And also, just on his way back from injury. After being re-signed is Tommy Canely, who so much has fun. Tommy tight pants. Tommy tight pants. So we much fun him. to watch. So anyway, all bullpen. this, all this to awesome. say that our bullpen, 
while our offense has been just abysmal recently. Our bullpen has been the glue that's held us together and got us to win some games that we have not scored enough runs in. So, Jacob, as we approach the end of this episode, I'll let you kind of wrap us up with this bullpen talk and the Yankees with Clay Holmes, yeah. if you want to, and then we'll we'll kind of we'll tail it off from there. So go ahead. Yeah, the just looking at some advanced stats from Holmes. So looking at the expected ERA and expecting expected um, how well batters are going to do against him based on his pitches. He is 86 percentile, so based on the analytics of his pitches, he is in the only 14% are better in what you expect to come off his bat. So that's an advanced stat. What it means is when he's in the game, there's only 14% of pitchers who are better who are expected to be better than him. But okay. the stat that I like by far the most, this is, when I, this is why I want to talk about Holmes. His barrel percentage, 100 percentile. That means that when batters are against Clay Holmes, he is the 100 percent, the number one, per, the top percentage. Essentially number one. In There can be guys tied with him. In how unfrequently opposing hitters get the barrel of the bat on the ball. That's so incredible. that means they are not crushing. His, all of his runs are given up are dinks, doinks. Walks. Errors yeah. and I mean his walk is pretty average, yeah. And you have to think that as the fan, we've seen that. You know what I mean? Our concern with Holmes has never been honestly, it's almost similar as Chapman. Once in a while Chapman would get taken deep. You know, when the ball's coming at ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine, a hundred, it can go out pretty quick. But our concern with Holmes has not been, is his stuff good? Or, you know, does his fastball move? Is it hard to hit? Mm-hmm. It's is he going to throw strikes? So now that he is throwing strikes, he's not going to hit. No one can touch him. Yeah. That's incredible. What an incredible stat to Isn't have a fun? pitcher that you know isn't going to give up a really hard hit. Same thing with ex- expected slugging percent. Ninety-five percent expected slugging. Wow, so that's crazy. Well, I think that the Yanks are going to I need their bullpen. Really hope we didn't just curse the Yankees bullpen because Marinaccio just hit. A batter to score a run in, and then just gave up a base hit, and there's a replay going on. Right now. I told and you, Marinaccio is not safe. the not the um, inherited runners guy. Uh, you to, were dead uh, right on to that. To sum it all up, though, the Yankees have been struggling mm-hmm. offensively without Judge, and even as uh, compared to other Yankee teams as a whole, with Judge still not the most offensively powered teams. Don't However, have enough le- lefties. Yep. Don't have a true leadoff hitter. And don't have our guys we're paying big bucks to playing big buck baseball. So there's a lot in Yankee land that we're going to keep talking about. They are full swing in their season. You know, we got another series with the Red Sox coming up that will be in, in the midst of that series when we record next. At the end but, of it. Yeah, hopefully. pretty much, yeah. But, uh, you know, Jacob, like, great numbers, great stats. That's really cool on Holmes. But, you know, needless to say, the bullpen has... <laughs> pun literally been the Yankees saving grace yeah. in this stretch because we still do have a, a very impressive record and it could be a lot worse if our bullpen was even league average we would have a much yeah. different record 100 percent so so to I mean yeah, close closing out, out I did Here not comes Holmes I did not invent this term just kidding um but he is Sherlock down Holmes Sherlock when he's in it's a Sherlock, Sherlock down um Guess the Yankees' number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine all-time home run hitter leader. All nine, ninth. Yeah, guess the number nine home run. Leader. It's so random. If you get it wrong, um, we're ending the episode. <laughs> Hideki Matsui, Aaron Judge. No, neither are. 
close. Okay, fine. I I went. Okay, can I go obscure? Oh wait, I just lied to you. No, wow. I didn't. No, no, I was right. Liar. You're good. Okay, nine. Uh, this is home runs with the Yankees. Okay, so A Rod is not doesn't have all of this. Right, 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 right. Mark Teixeira. Teixeira. No, no. It's so not. I I oh, told you we're ending the one episode. One more guess. Yeah. yeah, we are. But I'll go one more guess. Yeah. We're ending it anyway. Yeah. Nine. 260 home runs. Don Mattingly. He is 11. Ah. You guys don't know anything about the Yankees, turns out. Poop. Derek. Cheetah. Derek Cheetah. Wow. Number two. Number nine. Number two. No, he's number two, Jake. Well, oh, my bad. that Loser, was a Jacob, uh, your history. <laughs> good good episode there, talking some I'm sorry, bills. last one. Last one. Oh, last, I, did you right know that Jeter, Jeter was the, the stolen base leader for the Yankees? All time. All time. He is? Well, just he played so much when he was fast when he was younger. That's crazy though. Actually, Ricky Henderson it, is second. It actually is okay, crazy to real think quick, about that he's How many total runs? did he have? Three hundred and fifty eight. How many games or how many full seasons did he play? Or seasons of baseball? He played night. I'm curious his average. I'm curious his average. Not a lot. What does it break down to 19? roughly average? And I'm gonna say hot take here that don't you what are you doing? Anthony Volpe will break Derek Jeter's all-time stolen base record. Oh, okay, that's not in a his hot career. Take. I thought you were going to say Derek. Jeter that's kind of a hot take. That's saying Volpe's going to be a Yankee for a long like, time. Screw you, buddy. Yeah, Jeter's yeah, not yeah, Jeter's an averaging twenty a game. Another something. Yankee topic that we touched on last episode. A little bit of news, real quick, before we end that. Uh, Yankees manager Aaron Boone said that Volpe being sent down is not something they talk about. Not an option. So you know, hopefully this kid can contribute to the offense more than he has recently. But he's not going anywhere. So let's. Build some confidence. In he's the future. He's doing. He's developing here at the majors. I wonder if that's he likes. Guy from, that's a guy from Jersey. Does he like? Pastor- he's just he comes kid. into the corner store to get a pastrami sandwich. Okay. He comes in here to get his pastrami from me. What do you want me to do about it? Tell me he can't be on the Yankees sometimes. Your face is turning very red. You should <laughs> right, breathe. Right. Well, everybody, thank you for uh, hanging out. If you went through Tommy's uh, miserable Jersey accent at the very end of this episode, talk some Bills, some Sabers, some Yankees. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, chatting with you guys again. Yeah, thanks everybody. Love you guys. It was a lot of fun. Um, follow us. I was just going to send me to us it. off. Oh, we have a new ad. I'll start that and you finish it. We are now active at uh, two balls one puck at gmail.com. So yeah, if so you want to send us an email to talk to us, critique, thoughts, ideas, no explicit photos. Tell us want. whose haircut truly is the best in the yep, podcast. That if you want to name Joey's P segment. Yeah, give us a good name for Joey's Or talk about how big your bladder gets when it's soft. All right, so this has been Two Balls, One Puck. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everybody. Uh, This has been fun. We look forward to seeing you on the next one. All right, love you guys. Have a good night. See ya.